0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Talk to Tatiana, and we're continuing with the series of failing in business, uh, which there's nothing wrong with. And so, Deanna, I want to welcome you to the show, and I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited
1: to um, Uh, talk a little bit more about my journey and everything, so let's have it.
0: Awesome. Uh, Terrific. So, Deanna, talk a little bit about who you are and what you do now. Well, I am
1: a business owner with my husband. We've been in business together for um, a little over six years now, almost six and a half years together, um, which some people are like, You work with your husband? I'm like, Well, I like him. He likes me. It, it works out fine. Um, you know, we have grown our business quite a bit, um, especially during the last few years, which is Crazy to say, but we look back and we reflect on how things have been going for us. And honestly, I think the the sky's the limit, um, based on what we've seen. Um, right now, what I do in our business, which is a public relations um, agency here in Chicago, I mostly work on like the business development. So I'm, I I, I like doing sales. Um, I enjoy. Developing ideas and tools and, and initiatives for our team, um, for the company itself, um, trying different things every now and then, and um, really just being a, kind of a connector um, for different projects and, and people in the in the industry.
0: Awesome, I love it. Um, and so, um, just uh, just a quick, um, um, I guess. Uh, clarification for me, um, because the sound has been breaking up. Hopefully it's recording oh. properly, but, um, you do public relations, but the, the business itself does, uh, also public relations yes. or no. Um, well, I guess I should
1: clarify with you.
0: Awesome. Um, awesome. Thanks so myself,
1: I'm not a PR person. <laughs> so I, I always make sure that that is clear to people. <laughs> um, I'm not the one doing the accounts. I'm, I typically say that I'm kind of behind the scenes, like, you know, just doing more operational developmental things for the business itself, um, developing our brand over the last uh, about year and a half that I've been full time with the business. Um, I think we've established a pretty decent reputation in Chicago, so I'm pretty happy about that.
0: Terrific. And so um, tell me a little bit about kind of where you started and, um, you know, your career, whether it's entrepreneurial career or a career, another career, maybe uh, where you've started. And, you know, I'm doing a series on business kind of failures and and I think that they're important because what I don't want people to continue to think that, you know, having your own business is all um white and fluffy and it's all perfect and it's all um super cool and and etc so i that's why i'm doing this series of interviews where i talk to people about how they failed in business and kind of what we can learn from that because i think it's the best the best opportunities to learn from other people's mistakes so that you don't make those mistakes yourself and so um, give us everything. <laughs> share, everything. Share what you can. Okay. Um,
1: well, first of all, I want to say that I really appreciate that you are doing a series like this because it is so important, especially for 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 women sometimes to even understand that you know we see these success stories and we see all these people in their shiny outfits and jet setting across the world, um, and it can really look like oh man, that's not me. Um, so my work history, I started actually um, in financial aid at a university um, here in Chicago, um, I will still say it was my best and worst job ever. Um, best meaning the perks were great. Um, the, the pay was great. You know, all of the good things that you want from a job. I could walk to work. It was awesome. Um, it was also the most stressful job I've ever had, like to this day, even even as a business owner. Um, That was the most stressful job that I ever had. Um, From there, I kind of had a few other sales jobs here and there in between, Um, just kind of finding my way until one day, my husband and I both came to the realization that neither of us wanted a job anymore. And so we quit our jobs on the same day back in 2016. Two small children at home, really stupid thing to do, but we did it, (laughs) and we were like, now we have to make it work. Um, So at that time, we actually started two different businesses, um, and the the one one of them was a major failure, and I I do want to get to that because um, it was a a tough couple of years dealing with what happened. Um, But now that I'm older and wiser, I realize that. You know, sometimes our failures are actually like our origin story. And I think if you take that perspective, it makes it all. I don't want to say make it all better, but it it can help deal with what happened. Um, So what happened? (laughs) We we bought a franchise. Uh, You know, we were we were young. We thought this would be a great money making machine. This will be easy. We don't have to put a lot of work into it. Not true at all. Um, Anyone who's ever bought and owned and operated a franchise knows that those things are not true. Um, Unfortunately, there were more layers to what happened. Uh, We did not do enough research on what we were purchasing. We did not do enough market research to understand the market that we were trying to tap into. Um, and ultimately we were not in a financial position to take on what we did. And so within 11 months, which is like, I'm okay saying it now, but at the time I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is awful. It, it felt embarrassing. It felt, you know, shameful. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I did this. But within 11 months, the business completely tanked. Um, we were losing money every single month. Um, so it was not fun. Um On the flip side, though, we also started Bear Ice Box, which is the current business that we run together around the same time. Uh, at the moment that that business was meant to be like a freelance secondary income. Uh, little did we know that would eventually become the business that it is today. Um, so, yeah, that that bit of failure with that first business, it it, it stung for a few years. Like, I'm not going to lie. The, the, there were days that I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I would never want this for anybody. And But looking at it now, it was like an origin story. I think because of those failures, we look at our current business so differently now.
0: Yeah, definitely, and thanks so much for sharing that. I, um, I mean, franchise. I mean, you would think, and you know, I've been accountant uh, by trade and by education, Mm -hmm. really, and so you would like. I would think that it's hard to fail a franchise business, but I don't think it is because it's a business just like anything else. You get a better start, meaning that you don't need to do as much work in the beginning. But I think that it's still. Uh, a business and so um thank you it was an interesting insight uh, for me to to realize that a franchise business could um be i don't want to say fail but could be that challenging mm-hmm. um, and especially you know i i know i have a friend who um who's like a franchise coach she she teaches you about the basics of the franchise and she works primarily with military or ret- retiring military and um um what do you call it um like those who are already retired and needed like a stream of income and the reason is that you know franchises can be great for for people who are used to discipline and following orders um could be great and are good Mm -hmm. good operational people and that's why ex-military make really great coos and other stuff but um it's not an easy business. And so I'm curious to know kind of what were your lessons that you've learned from that experience and what, if anything, you could do differently if you got a chance to go back and redo it? Um,
1: yeah. Um, the, the two main things is one, make sure that your money is in order (laughs) before you do it. Um, we were in a position where we, it was, it was, it wasn't that expensive to actually start this franchise, which is what was appealing initially. Um, however, the, the overhead costs started to pile up um, as we you know started getting our first couple of clients. Um, so definitely make sure that you have your, your money in order. Um, you don't want to go into a situation like that um, and, and you're pulling from your own savings um, and you're pulling from your own you know, bank account to support this other business that should be supporting you. Um, and then the second biggest lesson that we learned was researching, research what you're doing. So just to give you a little bit more information, it was, it was a home care franchise. So helping um, assisted living um, and people who needed help with their uh, daily activities, uh, which is something that I, I, I genuinely care about. Um, I, I think that community sometimes falls by the wayside and we all just keep moving on with our own lives. So it, it was a business that we we felt strongly about um, helping the elderly. Um, the research part comes in. Um, we live in Illinois. And I'm not going to get into politics at all on your show, but uh, the state of Illinois, um, they don't have their money right. That's all I'll say about that. Um, so we didn't have our money right. The state didn't have the money right. Same
0: as New York. Same in New York. <laughs>
1: um, Some of these states, it's, you know, they need a little help. And so we did not research enough to understand that the state of Illinois was not capable of supporting us and our clients um, in certain areas. So we would have been waiting at least 18 to 24 months to receive reimbursements for services, and two years is is too long to wait to get paid. And so we didn't find that out until get this, the day that we received our license to work. And so my jaw was just like yours. My jaw hit the floor, and I was like, "Oh no!" We spent all this money. It took seven months to even get the license so within seven months we could have been building their icebox but no we were like no this is going to be the thing and so the day we got the license was january 18th of 2017 um is when we found out that we actually were not going to get paid for any of the work (laughs) that we were trying to do so that those are the two big things get your money in order before you make any sort of investment make sure that you can actually have the investment and continue to support your, your life. And then also make sure that you are wow. strongly researching anything that you're getting yourself into.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, very powerful lessons for sure. Thank you for sharing them. And um, I, let me ask you this. How did you exit out of this business? Meaning how did you make a decision to close it um did you wait until you run out of money like you know people do it differently Mm -hmm. and of course the you know there's this phenomena phenomenon i guess uh because the singular that you know how to invest in stock market you buy you buy low and sell high but the problem is you never know where when that low and that high is and so with businesses i think it's also a little bit of an issue um where like I tell business owners, if you, if we know, I mean, I know because when I look at it, I can tell when can the a business can close. Yeah. Numbers don't lie. But, um, if you see negative trends, like you should ha- keep your hand on the pulse all the time. And if you see negative trends, cut your losses and shut down if that's the right decision. Yeah. But it's not always mm, easy to know when that low is, you know? And so, or that, high debt or whatever, whatever, wherever that point is where you should be closing. Looking back, it's easy to say, oh, I should have closed months earlier. But, but how, how did you make that decision? What would that, what was that process like? Yeah, no, you're, you're
1: spot on. Um, Identifying, you know, where those bumps in the road might come on, uh, within the third month of us officially launching the business by, by March, I told my husband, I was like, we're going to be out of money. By middle of June. And he's like, I think you're right, but let's keep going. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm, I'm doing the numbers. We're we're going to be broke by June. We need to do something. And so we, we actually, wow. you know, to answer your question, how did we end? Well, as you can imagine with a, a franchise, it was a little bit more complicated than we thought. Um, we multiple times. Mentioned that hey, we don't have money to keep this thing running. We have to pay people. We have to pay the overhead. Um, We're we're going to be out of money by June. Um, the The franchisor and you know if they come across this, I want to say that they they're good people. I will say that they're they're good people. Um, They're doing something really great and really awesome. Unfortunately, we just were not capable to continue that awesomeness. So, you know, they were trying to, you know, try different marketing tactics and this and that. And the the whole time I'm thinking to myself like this, this is not going to work. So the only way that we were able to actually get out of the franchise contract was to bankrupt the business, which was the other hard part about having a business that failed, um, being a young married couple with. A family. Um, Also, remind you, no jobs. We had no no backup plan Um, when we started this business. um, We had to bankrupt um, the business and ourselves. It was our own money that we put in, so it was a personal guaranteed um, situation that we were unfortunately had to go through a bankruptcy in our late twenties, which was again you know, embarrassing, you know, you didn't want to really tell anyone, but we we quickly got over that because we were very relieved to not have to, um, you know, run that business to the ground anymore. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we tell everybody, we're like, it's, wow. you know, you hear the word bankruptcy, you hear these words that have such a negative connotation to them. But at the end of the day, it was really our, our saving grace um, to be able to do that and kind of start with the clean slate, um, again, I'm not going to lie and say like it's all fine and dandy. Um, it wasn't. It was not. We we definitely had some some tough days, some tough nights, um, going through that whole process. Um, but ultimately, we knew that it was the best decision for us, and that that time.
0: awesome that's uh, that's a great story and, I, and then there's nothing to be ashamed of i mean i think the more we can freely talk about failures in business our own failures in business and talk about it openly the less of an elephant in the room money and the related um things like business like taxes like everything else uh really start to become the less of an elephant that becomes in the room because people are don't talk about their failures they don't talk about money because there's shame related to that. And I think it's not the right approach. I think that we should be able to talk about our failures often, because then somebody else will maybe take precaution and maybe think about things, you know, in advance. And so I wrote a book, I don't work with startups anymore with businesses who are just starting out. But I wrote a book for because I'm an accountant, and I've been in accounting for 17 years. And I wanted to change how people start businesses and help them start them smarter and understand what they're doing before they even start. And so it's, I think it's absolutely critical to talk about failures. And that's why I started the series of interviews and I'm only doing a few to, to kind of show a different approach and different lessons learned by people. But I think it's absolutely, you brought up a really good point, um, about what you need to do before you even go there, like make sure that you Know your numbers, that you run them, and um, really know understand what the ramifications are and and things. And there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. Many people have bankruptcies. Actually, a lot of people have bankruptcies, Mm -hmm. and um, it's you just only hear about the celebrity ones on you know on TV or in the press, but you don't hear about the regular people filing for bankruptcies. And that that happens more often than not. And what's interesting, I found, was that. A lot of people who actually make a lot of money secretly sometimes file for bankruptcies, which is, which is even more interesting. It just tells me that people don't know how to manage money. Um, So yeah, thanks so much for sharing. That was awesome. Uh, It was an awesome story. So tell me more about what is your ideal client now? Meaning that if someone listens to this and, and they're like listening to you explaining that, or describing that person, that ideal client, they'll be like, oh, this is me. Okay. Um, so talk a little bit more about that.
1: Wow, that's a, that's a broad question.
0: No, no, I, I
1: think that the, the ideal client for you know, needing PR, um, there, there's so many reasons why someone might need it. Um, in cases of crisis, uh, you need someone to help you navigate, tough times, um, get your wording, right. Um, speaking of wording, sometimes businesses, uh, and, and business owners, I should say, if especially if they're doing their own, you know, marketing and they have their own little team that they're working with. Um, sometimes your you know brand message isn't where you want it to be or where you think it is. Um, and we, we see that a lot. Sometimes clients they'll They'll come in and they're like, you know, customers don't understand what we do. Um, our internal team, they don't understand what we do. Um, and it really comes all down to, to messaging and understanding how to communicate and articulate what you need, what you do, what you provide. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it really comes down to like value. Um, you need to be able to show people the value and what they're getting with either your products or your services. And if you're not doing that, you 100% are not capturing the most of your, your audience. Um, Primarily, we we do work with B two B clients, so not a lot of consumer facing products, but definitely people who want to get in front of the right investors, um, or you know just the right industries to propel themselves to be experts. Um, thought leadership is something huge um, right now that a lot of people are trying to figure out how to how to do that. Um, PR is a great way, actually, to you know not just send out a press release but you know craft and create storylines that your audience will resonate with and will think of you top of mind like oh this person does x y or z you just think of it you know i don't want to say household names you know we're we're not we're not exactly doing that but we we have seen a lot of our clients grow in areas where they've either been acquired for multi-million dollar deals, um, or they, they find investors that are just like doing exactly what they've been wanting to do for a few years. It's like now that they have established that, yeah, we are the company that you want to invest in, there you go. Um, and more, more importantly, I think the ideal person is, sees themselves as more than just Deanna Swirl. Um, we, we are all bigger. Than than just a name, um, and and I I'm not gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but awesome. this was years ago.
0: Uh, that sounds great. Um,
1: I I I came across this wow. like sort of it was like an analogy um, for what does it mean to say the word and I'm gonna use let's Amazon. When you think of Amazon, you think of a bunch of different things depending on who you are, how you use it there's not just like one thing that you, you go to. It evokes feelings, emotions, desires, yep. um, ease, you know, all kinds of words can come with it. And I think with, with ourselves, we, we need to look beyond just, I'm a mother, I'm a business owner. We can offer so much more um, in our messaging of who we are and, and what we have to offer.
0: That's awesome. Um, thanks so much again for sharing your story, your business, your failure. Thanks for being open about it. Uh, and um, it was really, um, really eye opening for me. And I hope that for my listeners as well. Um, and so how can, what's the best way for people who are listening uh, to for the audience to connect with you and get in touch with you? Like, where do you live? I mean, I know you live in LinkedIn cause you gave me a LinkedIn link, but is there, is there a website or is there anything else that we can provide to the listeners? Uh,
1: LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach me, um, especially these days. I've been personally um, trying to limit my social media use, um, which is not what we do for our clients. It's more of a personal thing for me. Um, but you can also find us at bearicebox.com. Um My email is Deanna Letitia at bearicebox.com. Um, you can also find us, uh, Bear ice box on all the social media platforms as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I do have a, a poetry awesome. website. Um, I haven't written poetry in a very long time, but, um, it's a website called and the lights don't lie.com if you're interested.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I will make sure to include all the links, um, below the, um, the episode. And also if you're on YouTube below the video, so be sure to check that out. Deanna, thanks so much for being a part of this series and being open about, uh, your business journeys. Uh, I, um, I learned a lot and I hope that, um, my listeners learned a lot as well. And thanks so much for being a great
1: guest. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for doing this series. Um, it's so important to have this out there.
0: Absolutely. All right. Those of you who are listening or watching, I'll see you next week for another great episode of Talk to Tatiana.